Chapter 9, Heal That Shit, Part 2. I threw every bit of energy I had into my family, cooking and cleaning constantly, making sure my kids were in every activity they wanted to be in, running myself into exhaustion so that they were everywhere on time, even when they had activities in different parts of town at the same time. I made sure that I showed up for every event anyone in my life had, even when I was dead tired or had to spend money that I didn't have on a sitter. I made sure my husband always felt supported in his endeavors. I would ask my children after every outing or gift I had gotten them if they liked it or if they were happy because I wasn't happy. And if I wasn't, I needed reassurance that my children were. I felt this massive pressure to overachieve as a wife and a mom. My husband worked 16-hour days, multiple days a week. I would often attend weddings and family functions alone. Our date nights were months and months apart. My friends would plan couples trips or double date nights, and I wouldn't be invited because they knew my husband would have to work. I'd remain supportive of his career and tried not to complain. But the truth was, I felt like a single married mom. Married on paper, but alone all the time in real life. In the pits of my soul, I was angry with God. Why would he give me such huge dreams, talents, and goals only for me not to achieve them? I recall the day where I was screaming to the top of my lungs at God. Maybe if I cried hard enough, yelled hard enough, he would hear me this time and answer my prayers. But nothing changed. Well, one thing did. My belief in myself. It was completely gone. The days during that time became a run-on blurry sentence, one blank feeling after another. I no longer looked forward to what was in store for me. My days consisted of being a good wife, lonely as hell, making sure that the kids were to school on time and getting good grades, and keeping up with if it was my week to be the kids' sports team snack bitch. I was pouring everything that I had into my kids, my husband, and those around me to make sure that they knew how much I loved them. But eventually, I was pouring from an empty cup. I had given my all to everyone around me, leaving nothing for myself. The ending of my blog came after I went back and forth about an interview request with a well-known celebrity. Everything was going great. There was a date and time set. This was going to be the big break that my blog needed. Once the big day was approaching, the emails from the celebrity's publicists abruptly stopped. I emailed and emailed with no response. Finally, I gave up. I remember feeling so defeated and thought this was the sign just to let go of my dream. I started to cry there on my living room floor in front of the couch. And then the crying turned into sobbing. The crying, sobbing, and gasping for air lasted for almost 24 hours. In those hours, I felt like everything I wanted career-wise was gone. The next morning, my husband and I just so happened to have a doctor's appointment with our new primary doctor. When we arrived, I wore dark sunglasses. My face was swollen and my eyes were bloodshot red from all the crying. When the doctor walked in, she immediately asked my husband to step out of the room. She asked me if I was okay. I said yes. I was just having a bad day. And then the tears and the sobbing started. By the end of my appointment, 
I was diagnosed with severe clinical depression and given a referral to a psychiatrist. After I was officially diagnosed with depression, I felt a sense of relief, like a weight was finally lifted off of my shoulders. All the sad and cloudy days, all the days not being able to get out of bed, all the days and nights I couldn't sleep, all the constant body aches, the overthinking, the constant doubt, I finally knew the reason for them. Despite my relief, I didn't truly want to face my ailment. I was afraid of how other people would judge me. Depression was still so taboo in the Black community. It's too common for Black women to hide their struggles because it is embedded in our characters to be strong Black women who carry the worlds on our backs without complaints. It is damaging. Those close to me who I did decide to tell, I shared with them the diagnosis, but I sugarcoated it. I told them that I had lingering postpartum depression. My youngest was a little over one at the time, and I felt that postpartum would be more acceptable to say. People are usually more sympathetic to pregnant women or to those who have just had a baby. Journal prompts number 54. Do you battle with mental illness? How did you discover that mental illness? And how did you feel when diagnosed? I had known that something had been wrong with me for years. I knew I had been depressed for over a decade. Going back to my teenage years, I felt the switch when I stopped being happy and my lust for life started to fade. There was nothing that gave me that joyous feeling that I was so desperately wanting. I had always been ashamed to seek help. I was afraid of the stigma. Afraid because I had been told that I didn't have anything to be depressed about or that I didn't look depressed. Other people had much less or way worse situations than I did. So I should shut up and be grateful. Let me explain. Depression does not discriminate. It does not care about your age, your race, your gender, or if you live in a mansion or shelter. It doesn't care about your marital status, and it doesn't care what your bank account looks like. Depression can infect you regardless of how others view your perfect life. While we may not all suffer from mental illness, all of our mental health will be affected at some point in our lives. Author's note. In the book, it says depression can affect you regardless of how others view your perfect life. Here I said it can infect you because I want people to know that depression, anxiety, all of these things that are umbrellaed under mental illness are just that. They are an illness. They are an, an infection. And if we looked at it that way as they are an infection instead of they are affecting us, People wouldn't just say, get over it. People don't tell babies, just get over an ear infection. People don't tell people, just get over a staph infection or an infection in your tooth or any other type of infection. Mental health has to be taken seriously, just as we do any other part of our health. I decided that instead of hiding my depression, I would start to talk about it openly, especially on social media. This was years before mental health became a trending topic. It was scary at first to be so open about it, but I found it easier for me to blindly talk about my depression with strangers on social media versus those closest to me. Many of those who I had decided to open up about my diagnosis in real life weren't as supportive as I had liked them to be. I was met with comments like, why do you need to tell people? 
You have nothing to be depressed about. You're in your 20s living a good life with a providing husband. Once I started with the psychiatrist, she gave me a prescription for antidepressants and a therapist referral sheet. I immediately filled my prescription and went through the list of psychologists. The next week, I was at a psychologist's office telling her all about my childhood. The entire time I watched her as she watched the clock, waiting for my 60 minutes to be over. At the end of the appointment, she said, Okay, that's it for today. See the front desk and pay your copay. Oh, and make your next appointment. That was it? I wasn't healed. She hadn't helped me with shit. For the next few weeks, I returned with the same outcome. Not until about week four was there progress, finally. At the end of our session, she said, do you think your mom would accompany you to your next session? I said, I'll ask. When I returned home, I called my mom, and surprisingly, she agreed to go with me to my next appointment. The next week came and went, and my mom never showed up. There was always some excuse why she couldn't make it. Eventually, I stopped asking. After about two months into therapy, I quit. I also stopped taking my antidepressants because they weren't helping. I still felt shitty all the time. The only thing that they seemed to do was stop my crying. By that, I mean my eyes literally weren't producing water. Over the next five years, life just kept on lifing. Bullshit after bullshit. There was a break-in at my home. Luckily, we weren't there at the time. But all of my expensive items were stolen, and I no longer felt safe in the house that we'd worked so hard to get and that we were raising our two children in. I stopped trusting some of the people who were around me, including the consistent babysitter we'd finally found. After the break-in, I was unable to sleep and developed insomnia. For the next five years, I maybe averaged two hours of sleep a night. Eventually, when we decided to move, the few weeks leading up to the move were very hard on me. I gained 30 pounds in less than four weeks. I was working out daily, but the weight was piling on. Not only had I fallen deeper into depression, but I was now suffering from anxiety and PTSD. The break-in put a strain on my entire life. I tried a new therapist with no luck. I even chose one named Janet Jackson because, well, I love Janet Jackson. But over the next few years, my marriage was less than stellar. And I was in a deep, dark hole of sadness all the time. And my husband didn't understand why I couldn't just snap out of it. He would often say, that he didn't understand why being a wife and a mom wasn't good enough for me. We'd argue and fuss a lot. I felt like I was in a one-sided marriage that was just never going to get better. My husband felt like he was married to someone who complained all the time. And we both wanted out of the miserable routine. 